up, Chad Prevost? Hey, not much, Tim Dooner. Hey, you recognize this hat? No. Movie trivia, it's over the top. It makes me want to harvest on my Wow. You're, up, you're pumped here for a Monday. I am. You know why? Because no. I beat a corn maze over the weekend. Yeah, but that was cheating. <laughs> you can see over top of it. Well, will you ever get yeah. lost in the labyrinth of your mind, Chad? <laughs> um, I can say a few times, yes, I have. Uh, probably, you know, I saw the universe in China Cat Sunflower when I was about 16. Mm. Yeah. Do you know that song? The No, I don't know China Cat Sunflower. By the, by the Grateful Dead. No, you're right, though. When I was in the okay. base, it was a really nice place. It was right by Sea Rock City, uh, like Bedford Farms or something to that effect. But yeah. The only problem was, and I don't know if it's because of the weather, but like, yeah, the corn stalks were just not, they were not like 6'2", so I could see right over, so I knew exactly where I was going. For the little kids, it was just fine. Well, it looked like there was a section where it was all super low and like your kids could even uh, yeah, see I over mean, it. Some people like, had trampled through there. Have you ever seen Children of the Corn, Dooner? Yeah, Outlander! Your woman! <laughs> we have your woman! Oh, Children Malachi. of the Corn. That was, that was a that Stephen was King so movie. That was so creepy, man. Stephen King movie. Yeah. Um, you know what we got to yeah. do? We, I'm pretty sure, have to pay some bills. Triumph Pay is the leading carrier payment platform in transportation. With over 50,000 carriers paid, Triumph Pay helps to drive capacity, efficiency, and cash flow for brokers and shippers. Visit TriumphPay.com to learn more and say hello to the wonderful people over there. Yeah. Hit the music! Oh, what's going on in the world? West Africa, man. We haven't heard about, uh, remember like Somali pirates? We'd hear about them all of the time. Yeah, speaking of West Africa. That was a uh, like popular time. When was that? Like 20, I remember it was when I was first starting yeah, my first podcast. Yeah, did they go away? It seemed like the, the, they were here to stay. No, they were not. I think they, they kind of ushered them off. But so here's oh. this new study they've been doing. Though. So Afri- West Africa now is the center of maritime piracy, armed robbery, and kidnap. Oh, so they were here to stay. Yeah. I think these might be different. <laughs> these are different ones. Like, okay. Like in the beginning okay. or something. So oh, nearly all maritime kidnappings and hostage takings in the nine months to the end of September this year took place in or near the Gulf of, of Guinea, said Global Maritime Piracy Watchdog, the International Maritime Bureau. New data from the IMB shows worldwide there have been 70 actual kidnappings. That's like the actual clown, not like a fake kidnapping like a, or like a hoax kidnapping. <laughs> these actual were actual kidnappings one. of seafarers and 49 hostage takings year to date. That's got to be scary, too, if you're just like on a boat and you get, you get sieged. Uh, the West African country of Guinea alone saw 23 hostage takings. Nigeria, a further 12 in the West African county of Togo. An additional seven, Cameroon and Nigeria, were also hotspots for kidnapping, too. Yeah, lots of scary things going on in the world, Dooner, each and every day. The IMB says about 80 86% of all maritime hostage-taking and 82% of all actual kidnappings happen in or near the Gulf of Guinea. So maybe stay away from there if you can. The Bureau adds that there were at least 119 incidents of piracy and armed robbery against ships from January through September. That's a 31% decline compared to the 156 yeah. incidents recorded in the right. same period in 2018. We had been hearing as much okay. about it. Yeah, it's going down. Yeah. Uh, Potengal Mukundin, a director, a, a director of the IMB, had this to say. Although incidents are down, the Gulf of Guinea continues to be a concern for piracy and armed robbery-related activities with kidnappings of crew members increasing in both scale and frequency. Yeah, more and more often. Like, uh, what was that? Captain Phillips? Captain, what was that? No, it wasn't Phillips, I don't think. But that I know the Captain movie. Captain Phillips, the, the movie. Phillips? Wasn't it Captain with, Phillips? With Tom Hanks? Was it Captain Phillips' audience, if, yeah, if you're listening? Us, also, if you're listening. Post where you're from, we'll give you up. a shout-out. Throw your land out there. So, that said... 
the IMB, IMB freely concedes that there's high degree of underreporting. So there's probably more than, than what is being said, probably from people who might still be kidnapped. I have no idea. The assistant director of the IMB, Cyrus Moody, not related to Phil Moody, told FreightWaves that the IMB's own research indicates there's roughly a 50% underreporting of incidents. So I guess you can just double that number. Where were we at? Hmm. Uh, what do we have for the year 46 or something? 70 kids. So 140. Wow. Well, uh, I'm not sure what to do with that. Like if it's underreported, just assume it's half. Well, okay. Yeah. Uh, well, here's uh, in another uh, interesting headline, Google drone takes wing. Six months after receiving a federal government exemption to do so, Alphabet, which of course is that parent company uh, of Google, the, mm-hmm. the subsidiary wing delivered packages by drone. The 22,000 residents of Christianburg, Virginia, can now order products normally shipped by FedEx Corp. Uh, medicine from Walgreens and a selection of candy from a local business, all of which will arrive via drone. Wow. Why did they, they didn't name the local business? Is it because uh, they didn't pay their advertising bill? Or, <laughs> I, don't I don't know. How this works is that most of the delivery is actually done by a FedEx truck. So it's not yeah. as sexy as just drones coming from all over they still have limited range. There's still only so much battery a drone has. Yep. But So basically what happens is all the goods go to this distribution center. Then these drones are there in this thing called a nest. And the actual final mile, like like literally a mile. Sometimes you say final miles, like five, ten miles. But like here is the literally like final mile Literal. is up to three pound box of goods that are uh, that are uh, delivered to your door. Is it a gimmick? Do you think it's a wave of the future? It's not a gimmick. I mean, well, you know, Vishnu just wrote on FreightWaves.com that they're, they're com- drones are coming to a backyard from e-commerce very soon. Mm. But, uh, I mean, I don't know. I think haven't we kind of, like, so far aren't we at a place where we're like, well, they'll be great in remote places and places without much uh, infrastructure. Well, but no, I don't know. I think though, in remote places they would be terrible because, the, like, the D.C. Well, that's how they get they get health supplies to play, to places right now. Well, yeah. yeah. Oh, you're talking about like remote countries. I meant like if you're like living up in like, like the Alaska. hills, like a hill person in Tennessee, <laughs> it, but they might not have the range to make it to yeah. you. I don't know. I guess I, I'd love to see it happen. Um, but, you know, wind and cold and things and regulations. Yeah. There's a and lot teenagers, of teenagers. The slingshots. Yeah, those two. They had right? corn slingshots. And, and the drones that kill the drones. They had corn slingshots when I was at uh, when I was at that cornfield. Wow. The, that sounds amazing. Yeah. Sounds like good uh, security. Speaking of that cybersecurity, Volvo Ventures oh, yeah. startup to protect its connected trucks. Volvo Group Venture Capital is investing in an Israeli automotive cybersecurity startup to help protect its one million connected assets, which it claims exceeds any competitor. So a lot of risk for them. Volvo participated in a $30 million Series B fundraising round for Tel Aviv-based Upstream Security, huh. led by Renault Venture Capital. Or no? Renault? Renault. 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 Renew Capital Hyundai, Hyundai, Hyundai Auto Hyundai. Ever, Nationwide Ventures, and others. Yoel Levy, Upstream Security co-founder and CEO, had this to say, our mission is to protect every connected vehicle and smart mobility device on the planet. And we talked about the risk there before. Yeah, well, I mean, I think that that sounds like a reasonable mission for cybersecurity. The trucking industry and its supply chain rank fifth among all businesses at risk of cybersecurity attacks as the number of possible threats against the transportation sector has grown 100-fold in just four years, according to some of our uh, cyber experts and other industry analysts that we've heard from. The investment results from Volvo Group's partnership in Drive, an innovation center focused on disruptive startups in the Israeli mobility sector. Mm, Mobility, hearing more and more about that. Upstream will use the funds to develop data-driven, cloud-based systems designed to protect connected vehicles from cyber threats, 
or misuse while stationary or in motion. We hear this all the time, like people, uh, you know, hacking them, using them as missiles, sending them to to the wrong destination. Seems like a great sort of like new cyberpunk form <laughs> yeah. of piracy. Yeah, and and asking for Bitcoin. Yeah, you know, I'm excited about our next guest. Yes, Pam Transports, Dave Abels. He's sitting right outside of our door for five good minutes, but I think we're going to do a double dose of five good minutes because he's such a great guest. We're going to have 10 good minutes. No pressure. What are we hearing? Are we hearing ourselves on your phone? Oh, wow. Look at that. Man. Look, you brought us us in the past. All right. Okay. Now we don't want to cross the streams here. Throw your headphones on. Is it the real us or the clone us? Five, count of five. Five good good minutes. Welcome, Dave. How's it going, guys? You're Great. Good. You're Great coming to, have to you us here. out of Arkansas, right? Yep. Tiny Town, Arkansas. Tiny Town, Arkansas. You and I first talked, I think, when I first started over here at Freight Waves. Mm-hmm. Um, you'd advised on some stories we've done in the past on the trucking industry. You've been a great resource, you and also Larry Long at Pam yep. Transport. A great team over there. We, um, we were covering Pam Transport last week. Uh-huh. And uh, we were talking about earnings. And one of the things that came with the earnings was a GM strike, right? Correct. Yep. So you had something really interesting you sent to me on LinkedIn, though about what you've been able to do during a tough time. So tell us a little bit about that. Okay, so I think something that we have done that I think is industry leading is, you know, you guys post a lot of information. LinkedIn is a lot of information from different carriers, and there's been a lot of layoffs during this. You know, there's a lot of companies that are heavily tied into the automotive industry. General Motors specific, I run 400 trucks in that marketplace. So if all of a sudden you come in on a Monday morning, even though we know that there's potential for this strike to occur, and you've got 400 guys that no longer have a job, how do you react to that? So I'll tell you how we reacted to that. First, we came in on Monday morning. We weren't certain if it was going to happen, not happen. It happened. So by Tuesday morning, we had our entire customer service team, our entire pricing team. Heck, guys, we had interns that were from the Sam Walton School of Business out seeking new opportunities. And what we've done was we put together with 15 different customers enough freight opportunities. I would tell you in the last five weeks, $2.2 million worth of new business that we did not have prior to that strike that essentially we want to maintain long after that strike. And we put those workers to work, our our drivers. So those drivers, we did not lay off one General Motors driver. We did not lay off one office member. We had whole facilities in Fort Wayne, Indiana that we just recently started in June of this year that was specific to GM. Every person there does nothing but GM. Not one of those people got laid off. Those drivers in that instance were ones that would be home every night. We burdened the cost of their pay for that week for the five weeks out of our own pocket. Um, We've made sure that everybody's out there. And it's important to us, as you understand, you know, there's been a lot of bankruptcies. There's been a lot of different things in the trucking industry. We can't let something like this gut punch, as Dan referred to on one of Craig's shows this Mm. morning, put us out of commission. So our teams have stood up. As I mentioned, all the way down to the interns, our director of human resources has his father runs a brokerage. He's going, Dave, call this guy. I've told him to get a hold of us. Yeah. So we pulled out all all strings to make sure that we were able to get these drivers moving. Now and again, you also understand in automotive, most of those guys only run in certain corridors. Right. Okay. So that limits yep. you. Positive thing about us, I've also got twelve hundred trucks that run in all corridors, a regular route across the country. So what I was able to do was when these new business opportunities came up that didn't fit necessarily into that corridor, 
I put my irregular route guys on those, took some of the irregular route freight that wow. did live within those corridors, and then still kept those dedicated automotive go- guys home on the weekend or home once a week or whatever they would normally get. So Man. I think we've done a great job. Yeah, what? you know, GM rears its its sort of ugly head again. When I My first assignment out here, when I first got to Freight Waves, was go out to the Youngstown, Lordstown area. Falcon Transport had closed. A GM factory had closed uh, a few months earlier in the Lordstown, Youngstown area. And it was really interesting going out there because it's, it's eerie. Like, it's a huge, huge factory. I'm sure you've, you've been by there before. And they have, like, it's like hope for the future, like the Chevy Cruze, right. the big manufacturing. And they have the, the electric charging points, but there's, there's rusted cars next to it now. And there's signs that say, like, save our plant or save our town. Next to it, it's, it's, it's interesting how much impact GM can have on uh, a carrier. Oh, and to your point, I spent nine years living in Youngstown, Ohio. I was uh, with the company that you guys were referring to, Falcon Transport, yeah. for three years. That community, that that's it, right? GM is it. Now, there were steel mills in the 80s, the 90s, early 2000s, the steel mills went out. Now what's left is General Motors, and General Motors went away this March. So it's had a great impact, not only on Falcon Transport itself, but that entire community. A lot of those people that General Motors worked at the Lordstown plant have been dispersed to other plants throughout the country, but there's many of them that are still on picket lines today, whether it be in Fort Wayne, Indiana, or Detroit, Michigan. They're going up there so that they still get their strike pay. Yeah. Well, do you think it's uh, some of that very personal background and experience that you had that led you to being so responsive in your strategy with what's going on right now? I, I think so. But I also think, you know, our CEO and president, Dan Cushman, pushes us all to be the best. Right. Yeah. So we couldn't just sit back and, you know, be a victim. We had to start to think outside of the box. And when Dan said to me, hey, let's let's not sit back. Let's figure this out. Well, I delve back to my Falcon days and, and just the 10, 15 years I've spent in automotive. There's always two weeks of plant shut down in the summertime. There's always two weeks of plant shut down in the wintertime. What do you do with those trucks? Do you park them? Do you not? Well, we had had experience with continual moves with brokerages, and we reached out to people. What more does an a- asset light business want than an asset? So when we're talking to this person saying, hey, buddy, here's what we've got. We've got a situation now where I've got 400 trucks out of commission. I get you probably can't take those 400. But what would you do if I said I could give you 25 trucks and I'd let you run them for the week? Now we'll set up some parameters. So I got some minimums and here's what the rate's going to look like. Every single one of them has embraced it. And back to that discussion where I mentioned that intern at the Sam Walton School of Business, he was talking to, or there was a seminar going on, and there was a, our counterparts in Bentonville to the north, Walmart. One of their big wigs was down there, and he happened to ask this kid, hey, you're an intern at PAM. How's things going with that strike? You ought to have him reach out to me. Well, guess what? They put 100 of our trucks to work for the last five Fantastic. So everybody's pulled together. Yeah. So this has been the longest strike in, I think, 10 years Mm -hmm. for for this union. 48,000 workers. Wow, it affects 48,000 workers. It's cost the company, they estimate, $100 million a day. Two uh, bill, yeah, two billion total. Right. right. Uh, so, so Blake. So, but it looks like maybe we're coming to a, a point of a resolution. What, what have the, uh, what have the strikers been asking for? What are the, some of the concessions that have been made? Well, I think so. The biggest thing, from what we understand, and we only see what you guys see, right? Yeah. So I'm not tied into it that tight, but ultimately, there's some wage issues, there's some temporary worker issues, yeah. And then there's the biggest issue, which was they closed four or five plants, and the union would love to see those plants operational again. Now, I think they did come to degree uh, to a resolution on Detroit Hamtramck plant. They're going to do something there with an electric vehicle. There's been talk about an electric vehicle at the Lordstown plant, which I'm mm-hmm. sure would be good for that community as well. I think it was Trump who just, who kind of went out and I, I think he, 
I think he may have jumped the gun. He said that they were like, they were bringing oh, yeah. uh, the production there, and then they're like, yeah, not, not, not exactly, not just yet. Right, right. So, you know, I think there's some, some issues out there, but you're correct. There is an actual contract that has been agreed to by the higher-ups. It's out for ratification right now. Okay. As I understood yep. it, the voting for that started on Saturday and ends on Friday around yeah. 4.30 p.m. Uh, well, you, you mentioned the electric vehicle plant. I think that's maybe one of the very issues at, at, at play here, right, is is the fear of well, automations replacing some jobs. Can, can you talk to, to that issue in the industry at all? How are you reading the tea leaves? You know, I think it's it's difficult to to go there, right? Same as trucking, right? Yeah. We've always had a shortage of drivers. We talk about autonomous vehicles. When do they come around? When will they come around? How will that affect things? At the end of the day, if there's 46,000 workers that were out of work today because of the strike, and over the period of five years, they're going to lose 4,000 jobs, that's 44,000 people that still have a job. So you probably got to look at it from a couple different perspectives. Yeah. You can't always have your cake and eat it too. Right. Um, those kind of things. So I think we're in a technological world today, and it continues to get more enhanced. I don't know how we can any of us just say that it's going to be back to the old days. How's the market been for you guys this year? And what are you seeing from, from your purview? I know it's been a tougher year than 2018. We had a record number of truck orders last year. The market seems to be correcting a little bit, but what are you, what, what are you feeling? I think for us, we've been, you know, very strong. In fact, we were talking to Craig a little bit ago. We had 13 out of 14 record months in a row up until we got the gut punch from the GM strike. Mm. So in general, we're a little bit isolated from it because we do run a large component of dedicated freight. We don't rely on the spot market. I'll tell you, I'm about 1.6% of all freight we run with the 2,000 trucks. It's a brokerage transactional kind of business. So we've been somewhat protected from that spot market, but it's definitely taken its toll on multiple carriers, and you've seen it You've yeah. probably more than anybody been involved in these bankruptcies. And some of your publicly traded companies that play a lot in that spot market, their numbers are down considerably year over year. And uh, Scott McAllister writes in, he says, inspiring example from trans- from PAM Transport in responding to customer disruption and keeping their trucks and drivers rolling. That's great to hear. And that's what it really it's all about. At the Shout end of the day, yeah. we, we want to take care of our drivers. Our drivers take care of us, guys. I, I'm the vice president of operations, but I don't have a job without drivers driving the truck. Before you go clarify something, because your Hoover's page says that PAM stands for pretty awesome mileage, but I'm pretty <laughs> sure it stands for something else, right? Well, originally there was an individual owner. His name was Paul Allen Maestri. Okay. And the uh... co- company was publicly traded in 1986. Um, ultimately, Paul's no longer with us, uh... um, but that was what it was originally. So was a, the and pretty awesome is. mileage is kind of a rebrand. I think that's a great thing too to say, yeah. right? Yeah, pretty you know? awesome yeah, mileage. Right, right. Yeah, Zach Strickland seemed to think that it was st- did stand right. for pretty awesome mileage. No, no, he. I'm the one who told him it was on the Hoover's. He didn't believe me. Oh, because I think he knows. Like George was saying earlier, he was he going was with the, the Paul name. Yeah, right. Funny. Well, how do people reach out, Dave? Um, you can always reach out to anybody at Pam Transport through our LinkedIn page. Uh, you, we've got a Facebook page as well. Of course, our driver recruiting efforts are all over the place. You'll see us everywhere. Um, for those of you that have an interest in the operational side, you can reach out to me directly through LinkedIn, and I'll get you in touch with the right people. Perfect. Pam Transport. And you got to hit the, you gotta hit the cowbell before all you right, go. man. I'm going to love it. I see this all the time. <laughs> yeah. Right. Nice Thank you so much. Thank you so much. We're yeah. have, now we're going to have Craig Thanks Fuller in here. Thanks so much. Thanks for joining us. Craig is going to talk about... His brand new show that launched today on FreightWaves.com. It's called Four Freight Let's Sake. bring him in. It's about the intersection the of freight and venture capital. Craig Fuller. Hello. Hey, guys. How are you? Great to have you on, man. Bringing it yeah, in there. I like it. It's very yeah. chill EDM, man. <laughs> Listen <laughs> to that voice. A voice are you getting reflective yet with your, your intro, your Four Freight Sake? 
This is Greg Fuller. I don't even remember it. <laughs> you were just like, like this is Greg Fuller yeah. from Four Freight State, talking about the intersection of freight and venture capital with uh, John Bradford from Dino, Yeah, that's right? right. So John Bradford is, uh, so like, I I don't read from scripts, as you know. Yes. Uh, every time they give me a script, I screw, I screw it up. I, I'm much more improv. Yeah. So I don't remember what I said on it, and I haven't listened to it yet, <laughs> so like I don't know blur. what I said. It is a blur. It's like I go into auto mode. Well, I uh, listened to the very first episode, and uh, it sounds like you got a good rapport going on with uh, Bradford. Uh, is John Bradford. John Bradford. Not, not, David. not David Bradford. Not, David. not our, our resident um, Bradford, but a oh, second Bradford. Yes, and uh, you guys talked about uh, we work a little valuation, a little the emperor maybe having no clothes, another pet dot pets. Is it another? Well, pets. I think com you know. Though? I think it's hard to say that because pets dot com. I mean, we work has re revenues. I, I think frankly, we work got ahead of itself in valuation. Yeah. It is the poster child for over uh, inflated companies, and I think I think the risk that a lot of people. So it's very easy because it's a very popular story. Like if you look at um, a lot of the uh, firms that track uh, media outlets in terms of what stories are really taken off, WeWork has been a very popular story for a lot of media outlets. And so it's very easy to sort of pile on that and assume that all of venture capital investing is is over with because this is the end of the cycle. And I think that's an over-exaggeration. And yeah. I think John and I dive into why we think that's the case. It's easy to sort of naively jump on the WeWork story and say, ah, see, all these all these freight tech companies, all these venture back companies are bullshit. I knew it was fake, all that stuff. Therefore, it's over with. Uh, and I think it's easy to draw the conclusion, but the reality is quite different. So what can, can you talk briefly about like valuations and just like why why it are some things like having to be profit based, revenue based versus some that can just kind of. Well, let's talk about what let's just value. talk about what that means. So, yeah, it, the, the headline is profits matter. Right, that's the headline that's, that's getting a lot of attention. And profits matter, have always mattered, except when some companies got away with revenue growth. the The thing that you have to understand when we're talking about profits is we're not talking about gap profits. So general accepted accounting practices, which is what you would show, like what you pay taxes on, what you show your accountants. Yes. Like actually taking money in your your account, your balance, your bank balance at the end of the uh, end of the month or into the quarter is more black than it was before. That is a profit in a gap world. What really is getting attention, and properly so, is what they call unit economic profits, which is for every unit I sell, I will make X number of dollars. Companies that burn capital but have positive unit economics, in other words, every unit they sell, they make X percent of profit, uh, and there's a, there are economies of scale, will do exceptionally well in the venture cycle. Companies that um, don't have positive unit economics, in other words, every dollar they take in, they only make a very small portion of, of that in a profit, or perhaps in the case of some companies have been losing money as they've, they've scaled. And, and that was the argument for WeWork because it was losing a lot of money as it sold. So every one it sold, it lost more money. They're going to struggle in this next cycle because investors are now looking at the unit economics and saying, Okay, so I know that you. So if you sell a hundred of these items, if you go to two hundred, are you going? Is your profits going to increase or decrease? Uh, and if your answer is, well, it's it's, I'm going to make a. I'm not going to make a lot of money on every additional that I sell. Then they say, well, your unit economics are not positive. And in the world of freight, you know the the sort of the, the poster childs in the freight world of companies that have raised a lot of venture capital. 
but have not shown necessarily shown positive economics or in the freight brokerage business. And sort of the theory is that some of these companies are taking market share without any sign of profitability. And if that's the case, then they're going to, they may have a bigger struggle in the next rev, uh, round cycle to raise capital. Now, having said that, some of the larger guys that are out there, some of the big ones that we all know, sure, may not have the same issues because they may have reached escape velocity. But some of those mid-market or lower-tier companies that aren't at scale are, are going to have a hard time trying to sell that story. Under increased scrutiny as they scale, Dooner. Yeah, you know, and this is like the perfect podcast for you. You're you're pretty obsessed with the, the whole venture capital thing and the freight <laughs> tech thing. And you're I live in it. Of it. Yeah, you know, so, I mean, yeah. I think I think I think that's true, and I, I think I live in the middle of it. Like we as a we as a company are. I mean, if you think about what a CEO of a, a startup does, um, you're either raising you're dealing with investors and you're raising capital. So my conversations on a typical week. Half my conversations are with venture capitalists, whether they're my own investors or others, not just to raise money, but just to sort of see what's happening, get guidance and and think about it. And the other half is on the commercial side, is I'm doing stuff related to our business or in in recruiting employees. So these conversations are sort of top of mind. And this is my, this is what I do. And so, yeah, I'm passionate about it. And I think we have a perspective because we sit on both sides of the table. Well, I was going to say, I always found, I always, I started podcasting this business because I felt like when I was outside of work, there was no way. And nobody to talk about logistics with. My wife wouldn't talk to me about it. None of my friends knew anything about it. Can I tell you something? <laughs> yeah. Like, this is the unfortunate reality is because, like, I, you know, when we first started Freight Waves, I read every article that went out. Every single one. I listened to everything we published. Whether I remember. One. I know. You would get like, you got to change this. It's so hard now. And, and the thing is, like, we're doing it so much of it that I, and, and the thing is, like, I want to get away from work. Yeah. Like when I'm not in it, I sort of want to get away from it. Sure. So I find that I'm not as in tune to our own products as much as I used to be, simply because it's it's hard for me to have a diversion away from our own business. Because the problem is, and you know this, like if you're listening to stuff, like if it's something we put out, I go into CEO or, or producer mode where I'm like, Oh, why did they say that? Or why is that inflection? Or this audio is poor. I, I can't relax. Yeah. Oh, so it's yeah. very hard to, to do this. But I, I think with this show, it's a chance for me to sort of become part of the story. I'm the character inside the story. Yeah, you're, you're becoming one of the, the content creators, uh, breaking some ground in some new ways with these, uh, these podcasts that we're coming out with. Uh, yes. There's uh, two more that launched just this week. There's the events podcast, which that launches with... Uh, well, we can talk a little bit. Well, about it's not even. A, it's not really a podcast, right? Because we're just stripping off the video of. The, of it's a podcast. Yeah, oh, a, podcast a podcast format, but it's uh, it is a strip audio version of the videos. Yeah, yeah, and well, we put a little context to it because that's what we love to do at ah, Freightways. Okay. But context to it, so uh, it's it's almost like we can put a little pregame. I mean, it's, it's still forming itself, but it was we had this thing sitting around like these amazing keynotes, like we have you amazing, with Gary amazing. Uh, uh, you know, we probably you think about it like on a different show, we'll have sixty to seventy live performances and not even including the demos and those are great content because if you're driving around in your truck or you know uh right if you're just in the car and you want something it's it's a great way to sort of get context of what's happening yeah so i think that we're breaking ground not a lot of podcasts not a lot of media you know this whole this freight this whole freight media thing is, is is sort of uh interesting because it there just isn't most freight companies are bad at marketing. And I don't mean anything yeah. like like it is not an industry. I just saw something really interesting. So Forbes put out the top uh, 100 brands in value and the very lowest rank. So there's only two companies that made the top 100 in transportation. Okay. Only two. 
Uh, and they were the, it was the lowest category of all of them, which means as an industry, we're not well regarded as an industry. And I think it's because most marketing, like if you're a marketing person out of college, you're never going to want to go work at a transportation company. It's not sexy. It doesn't seem sexy. It's not yeah. sexy. Right. And I think. Until freight waves. Until well, freight waves. Yeah, we're but even then, sexy. like we have to sort of prove ourselves as a, as a cool destination company. But in the end of the day, it's, you're not getting, oftentimes it's very difficult because uh, transportation companies are not getting uh, the, you know, top tier marketers. And, uh, they're going to consumer brands because if, if you're in a if you're in a marketing major at a at a top tier school, you want to be in fashion or right. you want to be in hard like you want it for Apple or something or an, a car company because you want something you can relate to. Transportation is very difficult to relate to. Mm-hmm. I think we fill the void because at least myself and 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 you guys. I mean, Chad is sort of a new implant into the industry, mm-hmm. but the rest of us, man, we have been in this. This is like us, right? Like, we love right, this industry. Right, I yeah. grew up in it. Yeah. Um, My dad so. grew up in it doing marine cargo insurance. Yeah, so I think it's I think it's what makes it fun. One of the things that I think is maybe a backdoor way, one last thought, uh, one of the backdoor ways that maybe we are making it sexy is through data. Like, I was at Echo in Chicago, and they're competing with the Googles of the world and getting data scientists who are badasses. And, and like, they are attracted to the job because we're actually finally needing that kind well, of Well, I think data. the space has entered uh, sort of a new realm, if you will, because I think you are getting top-tier data scientists. You are getting uh, yeah. uh, top marketers. And you look at, I think what we're, ta- what we're seeing is a transition from a relationship-driven uh, industry to a to an industry driven with sort of thought leadership and data and yeah. analytics and data science. And it's a, it's a transition. It's an exciting time. And, and certainly I'm proud of the work that what the truck is doing. And Chad, you, Thanks. you're a TV star now, man. <laughs> I don't know. Shut you up. are like, you we're are like uh, famous. We're, uh, you know, I've we're... seen this firsthand. Like we were, we hosted an event here at freight waves back in February and it was April. And, there, the uh, some of the uh, attendees, some of the young ladies in attendance, were fawning over. Is that wow. Chad? You've got a <laughs> well, fan. They may be tuning you, in right Frank now. Frank Waves has given us quite the opportunity with some <laughs> platforms here. It has been an amazing couple of years being on this this bandwagon. We are honored to have you here right now, giving us some of your thought leadership. Do I get to I, the cowbell? <laughs> of course. So I was not. So, you know, I have to say, I was I was not sold on the cowbell when we first started. As you yeah, know. I know. <laughs> I was like, let's well, time and place. But, dude, it is your signature move. And What the Truck is our most <laughs> successful podcast. Yeah. So far, so good. So, I guess I should. Yeah. Is that, it's kind of weak, right? Yeah, right. Pick How it do up. I do it? You, like you got to pick it up. So, yeah. Whoa, there you go. There you go. Yeah, so. This is like, Time the, to like eat. the speaker. This so, is what uh, I love about Dooner is he's a brand in himself. <laughs> he's made a brand out of himself. And you you roll with it, brother. Yeah. Thanks, man. So, yeah. all right, guys. Good luck. Yeah. The rest Thank of the show. you. If you're not back Thank on the show, see us at Freight Waves Live and. Subscribe to his podcast for Freight's sake. Also, Fuller Speed, now adapted to podcast too, so take it with you on the go. What an honor. Awesome to have you here. Thanks for the shout out. And now we have a Seth uh, Holm. He's going to talk to us about the Seth price. Home sighting. The DHL supply chain, freight waves, pricing, yeah. power, index. That's right. So get all much those happening. words in there. And, uh, and yeah, welcome. <laughs> Wow. Um, we, he, uh, I was going to say, he always ends up like either, like Craig always seems to come in right before you. 
Really? Right? Uh, and I think last I time we were in the studio, he was Tough act to follow. Um, you know, so we have what, you, with this pricing power index, we look at six different kind of complex facets to arrive at the number that we do. Uh, it, Is it, that right? We do. It's generally around six, but it okay. actually changes. So, like, um, for a good example would be we got September uh, ACT uh, new Class 8 truck order data. And so we don't get that every week. But oh, okay. if we think it's important, right. some some things change. Some things are the same, uh, namely what uh, outbound tender volumes, rejections, okay. that kind of stuff. Um, right. So, uh, well, based upon the criteria that we've been looking at, I think that um, we're down to 25. Yeah. So yeah. moving down. What's well, the good news? Hold on a second. Well, let's just explain it first. So zero is is favoring the shippers. Sure, all the way. 100 yeah. is favoring the carriers. 50 is a balanced market. Yep. If you've been paying attention to the show, we've actually been falling by five points each week that you guys come on here. So uh, good news for the shippers for you guys. Bad news for the carriers every time. Yeah, you thanks for the context. Forgot to mention that. For a corollary yeah. that may not be causation yep. corollary. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's helpful. Um, you know, it's good for the shippers' cost of transportation. Um, a lot of this has been, you know, to do with uh, economic data sort of deteriorating. That's been a big factor in here. Um, and a lot of they, they, the general overall theme is we saw like the mar- the trucking market sort of bottom in uh, April or May, yeah. And then it's been, you know, it cut, sort of came off the bottom, and we had sort of a uh, emerging recovery. But that's been slipping back over the past couple of weeks. That's why it's moving down. So it's now 25. It hit 45 just a couple of weeks ago, maybe about a month ago. If you were going to say out of the maybe six, uh, th- was was there one or two brighter spots trending it back toward carrier? Yeah. Um, so uh, I kind of laid it out. There was four negatives, and we can get into those uh, later if you guys want. Um, t- two or three positives this week okay. that stood out to us. Um, they were first uh, the UAW GM. We kind of got a resolution there. Yes, that, that just help. talked about it. Uh, you know, I don't know where that stands. I hadn't checked in in the last couple of days. I think it has to go through a full vote or something like that. Um, but you know, as that, like Detroit volumes were, had fallen off a cliff and mm-hmm. so had a lot of the overall supply chain. So that's, that's sort of a short-term blip kind of thing. Um, the other things we looked at, uh, ACT, uh, new class eight truck orders, um, down 70% year over year in September. Those have been down like really, really bad, like 70, 80, 90% for like, um, almost a year now going back all the way to November of 2018. So that's going to like, you know, that'll help out on the capacity side, um, eventually. And then lastly, um, I just created, uh, or our team just created a, um, a truckload, uh, stock index. So we've got like 15 to 20, uh, trucking names in there that it's market cap weighted. And, um, that was up, uh, 8% last week, at least through Thursday. And so we got a couple earnings reports that were kind of underwhelming, um, from mm. from Night Swift yeah. and JB Hunt, but the stocks were up huge. So so investors still feeling maybe they positive. think maybe they think we're bottoming or 2020 is kind of like a bottoming year, and so like they're willing to overlook some of the bad news. Okay. Or there's good value in those stocks right now. Yeah. We, when Craig was in here, we had him to talk about in here to talk about three new podcasts that are launching for Freight Sake, Freightways Live, and Events Podcast, and. Well, it was the other Fuller Speed Ahead, right? Fuller Speed yeah. Ahead is you're going to see the videos on YouTube for that one. We've adapted to an audio one because it's conversations at the inside of the actor's studio of freight. Bring it with you in the pocket on the go. 
you might be bringing context to this market too. Where we don't have anything to announce yet, but you might be uh, you might be lending your voice Ooh. to your very own show. Yeah, yeah. Uh, How does the prospect of that sound? Yeah, it, excited. I mean, we're a bunch of research guys, kind of nerds, and so yeah. we, we kind of want to get our there's an audience there for you too. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. The smarter, oh, oh, the smarter IQ deep, audience than we there, have. There are people <laughs> out there that care about all the you know detailed numbers and um and and sort of like. We we pay attention to a lot of the macro stuff. What's yeah. going on? And um, so yeah, uh, yeah, keep your keep your ears open there. We may uh, have an edifying podcast. I mean, but one one of the things um, well, sorry. I was going to oh. say it's exciting to see the, the network yeah. grow. We're oh, we're right. at eight shows right now. When I came here, we had one. We had what the truck. Now we have eight shows. There's a couple more that are going to launch. So there'll probably be ten by the time Freightways Lives hits, which is really really exciting. Uh, one yep. last question. So you, I know that you guys also have your three month outlook and yep. that you've been, you're anticipating, I don't know when the deadline for when the three months comes up, but, uh, you've been anticipating a balanced market of 50% of 50 right there in the, in the middle. Yeah. Are you still feeling that? And yeah. So we, we kept that intact. Um, but we are not feeling as good about that as we are, uh, as we were a couple of weeks ago. And let me give you just some context. So like, if we look at the main, like one of the very main ones is, you know, outbound tender volumes, OTVI uh, and sonar. Those were up 7% just two weeks ago. Now, I just, before we got in here, I logged in, they were up 0.8%. So they're barely even positive. And yeah. a lot of the other indicators are sort of uh, coming down kind of like that. And meanwhile, we're heading into the peak season when things are supposed to be, you know, perking up. And I think Zach Strickland wrote an yeah, article about Yeah, I read that. it this weekend. Yeah, which uh, which I just read. So it's kind of it's not like ringing alarm bells but it's a little bit concerning like we we're kind of expecting these things to continue to be robust and sort of picking up and so if in the we, in the cyclical nature of how things you would expect things to yeah be. and you know q4 the con, the story has been the consumer's strong and manufacturing and yeah. industrial economy is very weak and so that that's supposed to be a you know a good positive catalyst for trucking in q4 so that should help out that that metric. Well, every Thursday, your article comes out. Go to Freightways.com. It's the DHL Supply Chain Pricing Power Index. How can yeah. they learn more about you, Seth? Uh, that they can go to um, LinkedIn. I'm on there, or I'm on Twitter, uh, Classic City Cap. Um, wow. And then, um, yeah, I mean, we put out research and Classic Sony. City Cap? Yeah. Uh, I like that. Like yeah. CAP? That's, that's, that's a nice okay. yeah, So I used to be in finance, so oh, okay. um, I was an anonymous finance sort of handle oh. there. Um, oh, like I, Mitt Romney. I probably need. <laughs> yeah, what was that? Pierre, uh, Delico, that? De- Delicato, or something. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, so I probably, I probably need my own freight waves uh, okay. handle. But yeah. All right, Classic all right, man. Thanks City for joining. Us. Great to have you. Thanks, guys. Thanks. I'm, looking, uh, I'm looking forward to, uh, to, to to working on that thing. That thing we'll announce later on. Yep. <laughs> hint, hint. All right, you know, but it's going to be a big deal when it comes out. And this is uh, speaking of big deal, probably my deal. favorite segment. Big deal. Ah, <laughs> uh, we wait. Is. I've been waiting big all deal, Emily Zing. all day for big deal, little deal. It doesn't really work like the Sunday Night Football song, but I tried. Oh, you, uh, admirable! Hey. <laughs> I like the attempt. That's all that matters. So, Dooner, you yes. going first this week? Okay. All right. Okay. Okay. I right. always have a question: Is it Qantas Airways? Is that how you say the airline? There's no U, right? Because it's Q A N A S. There's you know, no U. U's always follow Q's. Yeah. Right? Except so when they I, this always yeah, throws like me off. Automation. <laughs> Stop. Um, <laughs> All right, Qantas Airways. Qantas Airways. Okay, that's where we're going with. So this is interesting. Qantas Airways 20-hour New York to Sydney, Australia test flight, the first 
non-stop air service between the two cities landed in Sydney over the weekend. Is this a big deal or a little deal? I mean, it's it's a yeah, it's a I guess it's a big deal. I mean, the problem is it's, it's going to be like 2023, I think, before these really come into service. And the the issue with Boeing and the 737 Max might delay this even further. But I mean, the idea of a direct flight from New York to Sydney is pretty exciting. So it's hard to say that's not a big deal. 20 hours. What do you say, Chad? Yeah, I mean, it's really significant uh, to, to fly, what, 10,666 miles in 19 hours and 60 Halfway minutes. around the world. And was the longest nonstop commercial passenger flight ever. Yeah. Wow. For those reasons, it's pretty exciting. You gotta be a hater to say little deal. But oh. I, <laughs> I want, you know, I'm not going to get excited about these Ooh, things okay. until I get some high-speed infrastructure. Give me some high-speed rail around, around oh, them. That, okay. would, that would be giant. Enormous. That like apples and dragon deal. fruit. That's this cool. is like, I mean, congratulations on getting enough fuel to be able to fly that far. I mean, <laughs> what a hater! Better oh, luck next I time. Am. I'm wow. just like, you know, your ancestors. I'm, it would take them like, like, like Dean's ancestors. It probably took them years yeah. and years. No, on a I'm boat. a tough A as Quantum a you know, the navigator on sea monsters. Just, it takes a lot to get an A You're from on the Professor Prevost. All right, there we go. Okay, well, Chad. <laughs> The number of rich Chinese has actually surpassed wealthy Americans for the first time. That's according to Global Bank Credit Suisse. Is that a big deal or a little deal? It's a big deal. It's soft imperialism. They're taking us over. I don't know. (laughs) They have a lot more people. Is it that shocking? Dooner, what do you think? (laughs) What do you mean? So statistically, because they have more people. I mean, I think the things that's like when I was like in a city like Boston, you would see a lot of Chinese money come in and drive the cost of real estate up downtown. And it seems like there should be better. I don't know. Like you don't want to be a closed border protectionist society, but people and students, especially in a city like Boston, where there are so many students and people need temporary living, there, there's supposed to be an exploitive nature to it when it's bought up by all of these foreign investors. And I'm not talking about like socialism or something, but it seems like there should be some sort of some sort of control barrier in there. And as the Chinese get more and more wealthy, we're going to see them invest in things like because you can't put that. You can only put two hundred fifty thousand dollars in a bank. So you're going to in, in cities like Boston, New York, yeah. they're ripe for the picking for people who want to park money because it's only going to go up in value. Yeah, most definitely something to watch because I mean, first time ever they've so, surpassed. Yeah, the I mean, it's a big deal. So I got to go a big deal. deal. Oh. Oh, okay. okay. This is a long one, so stay with me. Okay. Only 25% of respondents to a survey by software provider JDA and supply chain intelligence platform EFT, who included retailers, manufacturers, and distributors, say they plan to invest in warehouse execution or warehouse control systems in the near term to enable higher efficiency in their operations. That's all according to Chain Store Age. It's a big deal or a little deal? I think it's a pretty big deal because efficiency is really what drives value and it's going to separate a lot of these competitors, especially in these final minus solutions. It said that a lot of people were looking towards like the B2B solutions and the carrier solutions, but a lot of it's right under your own roof within your supply chain, things you can use with a TMS and with a WMS properly optimizing the solutions that are there. So it is a little disheartening to see that only 25% of retailers really see the value in controlling their own lifeblood, which is their inventory and their goods. But a funny story about that. One time I was interviewing a lady and I quoted EFT and she was like, don't quote EFT. They're a, they're a conference company. And I was like, okay, lady. What does well, that even matter? I don't know. I'm I don't know. Say, yeah, I know. I'm going to say little deal because it was, um, you know, maybe I'm a little ADHD. I, I couldn't even follow the yeah, whole thing. Yeah, it was long. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. I so tried to cut by, it down. But... By that criteria, I think it's a little deal. <laughs> In essence, only 25% of retailers, manufacturers, and distribution respondents are investing in efficiencies for warehouses. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. Um, I think that's a big I guess, deal. 
Well, yeah. stick with little. Thanks for agreeing with me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. The IBM Food Trust platform signed a partnership mm-hmm. with Raw Seafoods a few days ago, bringing in blockchain-based traceability possibilities to the seafood supply chain. That includes stakeholders like fisheries, distributors, retailers, and restauranteers. I think it's, I think it's you, right? Yeah, blockchain, that... blockchain yeah. makes an appearance in uh, in the media a little bit this this year. Uh, it's a big deal, breaking through maybe a little extra visibility that, uh, you know, it's like, I mean, you could say it's a little deal because many steps have to be taken, but each and every one, I'm going to say, is significant. It's a very siloed industry, and any, uh, you know, any movement we can make with uh, the decentralized, immutable, trust-based system of blockchain chain uh I, i'm down with big deal okay kind of like a like a dog that wasn't really sure what what treat he was being offered um okay so the IBM, That's how you just looked at me i know i did the <laughs> IBM, like that that uh that old meme of like the, the german shepherd his head turned sideways no that so <laughs> i don't even know why i did that the ibm food trust platform i guess i'll go the only reason i'm gonna go little deal is because uh, we already know that the food supply chain is a great use case for blockchain payments and the food supply chain, especially very strictly controlled foods like seafoods. I used to do FDA air import and export for seafoods. It is a very uh, it's a very manic and demanding profession where you have lots of freight mares. So um, but it's a little because we already know this. We already know that this is a great use case. Uh It'll be a bigger deal when people out there realize it is, and they and more get involved. They're like, sure. oh, yes. This yep. Is that, fair, fair point. Makes you know, sense. Freight, freight mare. Okay, switching gears here, Dooner. Big deal or little deal? Mitt Romney admits to running a secret Twitter account under the fake name Pierre Delecto? I mean, you know, who doesn't have a few sock accounts? You know, especially on Twitter. You just got to, you know what you got to do though when you're using your sock account? Because sometimes on Twitter, you'll get like a notification and you'll click it and you'll think you're in one account when you're really in the other. So careful. Sounds like uh, spoken from real experience. And that, and you got to also make sure, like, if if you're sending a DM, not not to your actual feed, those are two things you got to be careful of if if you're playing the sock account. You call it a sock account? Yeah, they're called sock accounts. What what on Twitter? Slate doxed him. Slate was like, Slate figured it out because, like, during an interview he's like yeah i have like he was like i have like 686 followers i mean he's following 686 people well i thought was weird though he said yeah. the accounts in 2011 he only he still only has eight followers how how <laughs> well i thought he oh he's following the, 686 so, but, but he, he only has eight followers maybe, i don't know uh i'm going to think? say this is a uh this is a yeah it's a little deal uh but it's 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 fun it's funny because i think that the article that they found out this piece of information on him was largely favorable to him. And then this kind of piece of information comes out kind of embarrassing. Then he shut down his Twitter account, but it was that one, Pierre Delect. But it was too late. They already took screenshots of a lot of things he said. And maybe there were things that he was afraid to say. Uh, The real Mitt Romney was afraid to say himself. What would your fake account's name be? I... Don't you use like the street you grew up on and your first pet's (laughs) name? Or is that something else? That's something else. Oh, man, Chad, this last one goes to you. You booked a hotel room near the wrong <laughs> arena where Wilco was playing in Nashville last night. Yeah, thanks a lot a for bringing that up. a big deal or a little thanks, deal? Thanks for bringing that up. <laughs> Got to bring a little real world into it. Uh, that is a, it's a big deal to almost, like, to almost go to the Ryman where Jason Isbell was playing uh, I had everything straightened out, and then I have to drive 10 miles across, like, five freeways to make it to the Grand Ole Opry. So, uh, big deal. I, I, I messed up. Um, but, you know, I guess maybe a little deal because I handled it really well and uh, didn't stress out. 
And uh, you know, we handled mm. it all in stride. And the and show was good then. The, the it show made it on time was to the really show. Good. Made it just on time. Did you had yeah. to weave in and out of Titans fans on the highway. They were all over the place, and they must have yeah. been excited because they won on it like almost a fluky play. In, where in spite the of Chargers, themselves. Just fun. I know the Chargers yeah. always seem to blow it at the end. They're always like. They're just playing to win, but this is a huge deal. You know why? Because I have to work with this guy and rely on him to make decisions <laughs> and book hotels and stuff like that. And how did you, how, so explain to us, how did you think it was at the Ryman and not the Grand Ole Opry? I have been asking myself that since the moment that I found that out. You know, the, this is how I found out. So I don't know, like, okay, so like, you know, the Grand Ole Opry does play at the Ryman. I guess. But like, like there's the, but I just, I got it in my head somehow that it yeah, was at the Ryman and, uh, and then I posted it on Facebook about two hours before the show and how great this was to be here. <laughs> and then, uh, then Kyle Cunningham says, uh, Hey dude, it's actually at the Grand Ole Opry. Thank God. Wow. So saw thank your post. goodness I, wow. I posted and that there was a response and that I saw the response. He's a much nicer person than me because I definitely would not. I would have been <laughs> like, ah, it's going to be so funny when he goes there. Now I'm going to have to remember that. I, I wow. remember, no, here, so I remember one time I was in Long Beach. I was going to see this band called the, the Mars Volta. And um, it was on April Fool's. And this guy we knew who's always a practical joker, this guy Wong, he called us up and said, oh, the show is canceled in Long Beach because of, for whatever reason. And we were like, it's obviously an April Fool's joke. Yeah. And we went there. And then, like, the sign says, Marshall's is canceled. And then, like, without missing a beat, the guy who was driving, my friend Milton, he turns to me and he goes, do you think that's an April Fool's joke? Oh. Did they reschedule? Did you yeah, they eventually rescheduled it, but I had to drive the next I time. I was going to say, It yeah. was my fault for being like, I don't believe. I don't believe. I was oh. being too cynical. Wow. So you didn't even, like, double check or follow up with the guy? You were just like, no. I mean, it's, it's April Fool's Well, we were driving there already. Oh, we were, like, already on the way, and it was yeah. April Fool's Day, and he, like, he always played jokes like this. Like, he's the kind of guy oh. who would, like, during a party would move your car, so when you went outside, you think it got stolen. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So he kind of got one on you. Though. He did. I mean, he did. He, well, I guess. He was trying to be nice, way. though. He, yeah. yeah, he was yeah. trying the, He was trying to be a nice guy. Oh, wow. All right, guys. Well, so what, what's coming out? What's what's new with Freightways TV? Well, we got two episodes of yeah. our taping, Infrastructure, the Great Debate, coming up. A lot of, a yeah. lot of work, a lot of taping this week. Yeah. Also, uh, next week, traveling to, speaking of, you know, a Chicago band. Yeah. Wilco's a Chicago band going back up to Chicago to visit Echo to mm. complete our first filming of our pilot episode, Inside the Box. Wow. Oh, I like it. Maybe yeah. you'll have to voice over the Inside intro. The <laughs> <laughs> Inside the Box. Very excited yeah. about it. It's like, think, you know, it's kind of the opposite of yeah. like we're, we're always told to think outside the box. Well, What's going on inside the box? Yeah. You know, no. The freight box. Yeah, it's about time we the got coach. back to thinking inside. The, we've been thinking outside the box for so long, we forgot about we what's inside. And now that subversive is going inside the box because everyone's already outside It's the box. kind of counterintuitive that way. Yes. It is. No, yeah. like, no, but like. it's kind of fun because nobody really says that. Right. They never no, like, let, no, like I... let's think inside the box. Like, it's just not an idiom. <laughs> no, it's it's all now. Let's it is start now. It. Let's take We're it starting in. it, yeah. When we, the pilot okay. releases. So anyway, we, we got yeah. stuff like that going on. Yeah, right? and then yeah. this Friday, as always, every Friday, be looking for a new episode of Off the Supply Chain. This is about mm -hmm. digitization. Hard work yeah. to say. Noon yeah. right here. If you're streaming this yeah. live, it's going to be on whatever channel you're streaming live on. Come back at noon, then at one, or stick around at one, because then What the Truck will be right back at you. Three, count them, three new podcasts launched this week. Freight, Craig Fuller is here to talk about For Freight's Sake. Also, Fuller Speed, that's a Freightwaves TV show, also being adapted to podcasts. It's like the inside the actor's yeah. studio of Freight. Take it with you on your walk to the gym, wherever <laughs> you may go to uh, to get a, a, a sad-looking ice cream cone at um, McDonald's. Oh, McDonald's. Yes, wherever you may be, you can hear Fuller Speed. And another one I'm really excited about is Freightways Live and Events Podcast. I've always wanted to uh, take advantage of, of, take people behind the events. And something as cool 
as as Freightways, and I think it's a testament because one thing that's awesome about our Freightways live events is they're flashy, there's lasers, it's loud, there's pyro, there's explosions. But at the end of the day, none of it's anything without content. Yeah. And the best thing about audio content is it's the purest form of entertainment in the sense yeah. that it has to live on its own without any gimmicks. I agree. It's it's also there's um you know how you can get inspired intellectually, you can get inspired emotionally, and it's a, a very cross per like I it's just it it, it you you feel edified edu, you know edutainment like you feel like coming out of a lot of these things they're not boring panels they're they're it's outstanding and we are repurposing some of this promoting like getting yeah. like not everybody heard say gary transparency freightways flashbacks from yeah. transparency and it's it's there were great out? conversations that's coming out tomorrow okay so they're but if you go rich. so here's a secret if you go on either approved on apple Podcasts right now on spotify so if you go on there you can look up for freight sake you can look up Fuller Speed Ahead, and you can look up Freightways Live and Events Podcast. They're all there. You can subscribe. They'll be promoted on the website, too. They're on They're on Apple, Spotify, same as this. Everywhere podcasts are heard around the world. The first episode, Chad and I did a little bit of an introduction, talked about our experience at Transparency 19. Chad, if you may know, was the MC of that event. He kicked it off. Uh, he had an interview with Craig, then they went right into the Gary V. We thought that was a perfect launch episode. We give you a little bit of information, too on what's going to be happening at Freightways Live Chicago, where we'll continue our coverage. So the nice thing is we can go back in time and bring some of that stuff back to back to the future with us. And then um, and then we can go forward in time at these events and we can bring some of the coverage. We can we can even do like a pregame show and talk about what we're going to expect. It's going to be a fun time. and We can involve everybody in the company. It'll be a like good that. time yeah. as well. I'm going forward for and backward. Yeah. And, yeah. So Very here nice. we are right now. And, and, and more. So let's let's hit the theme music. You can find her on Twitter at Emily Zink. That's S-Z-I-N-K. I'm at Timothy Dooner. That's D-O-O-N-E-R. That's j- at Chad Prevost. I'll go by the same name. Little cowbell for everybody who watched today. Little cowbell for Pam Transport. Thank you for coming by. Dave Abels, what an interesting conversation about GM. Yeah, and here's to the uh, strike, maybe finding a, a way out. Shout out. Shout out to that. Truck. Look out for Craig Fuller for coming on, telling us all about For Freight's sake, why he decided to make the show the purpose of venture capital, and you know, throwing a little shade on on WeWork. But I thought fair, right? That was yeah. Fair. No, he defended him. He defended him. Yeah, yeah. He didn't come out of nowhere, and he was like, <laughs> "Yeah, they're not the same thing as Freight Tech." 